Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble or bumble like a Greg of Ryan Gumbo. Standing on the ground, black beat, burn, coming worms and turns, and I'm doing it on my terms. Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punched. So we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy LaVell with Remedy Clinch Consulting at Clinch Coach on Instagram and TikTok. They just call me the mouth of the South. And and alongside of me is our newest member of the Rumble team uh, of PS Adjusting, Miss Jessica Odell. We just call her the Claims Dame. And the dazzlingly... Dazzlingly dedicated and the demonstrably deliberate, the one, the only baby cakes, Miss Donna Lavelle. Say How- that again three times fast. I will dun, not. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah, I just stumbled all over that. You know, I love it when I mess up an intro. You know, I really, really, really do. It keeps it real. It does. Keeping it real. You know, I mean, you know, you know, the delightfully tacky, just like Hooters. <laughs> what <laughs> so you definitely um, like the uh alliterations don't you <laughs> i do well it's a thing it's a thing that's probably something that you don't realize that i changed that alliteration when i introduced people wonder what i'm gonna be every, named every yeah day. yeah i do that i do that differently uh all the time so that's kind of the one thing that i do that way you know you're not listening to the same episode over and over and over again <laughs> it's like nope i've heard this one yep. so anyway so Donna, what are what are the uh, you know I, I I've heard rumors rumor tale mm-hmm. that no one's half the bullshit. Yes. So what do we need to know today? You need to know, and I'm going to see if I can pronounce this. Alladoxophobia is the fear of other people's opinions. Alladoxophobia. Alladoxophobia is the fear of other people's opinions. It's a rare social phobia that's characterized by an irrational and overwhelming fear of what other people think. Well, is, isn't it? Does, I, I would think a lot of people. A lot of people have that, but we at the Rumble, we don't have that. We don't. We don't care what people. We do. not care what other people. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, if you've heard our show, you know we don't yeah. care. So, also, um, Australia is wider than the moon. I don't know how they measured that, but apparently, it's Australia true. is wider than the wider moon. Than the moon. Um, the moon. Speaking of, did you guys? Hey, did you guys see uh, Elon Musk's Starlink? Go across the sky last night. Uh-uh. Went across Texas. Yeehaw! I, I had no idea what I was looking at, and thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, "Is that a convoy of like helicopters or something?" I was like, "No, that's too high." What? It was the coolest thing I think I've ever seen in the sky. Hooray! It really was. You should you should Google that. Starlink in the sky. I it's really cool. Like use like a like a like a Starlink in the sky. That's an Elon Musk thing, right? You said that. You said yeah. that. Um, I wonder if that's what they do. What do you mean? I mean, there's. I mean, because I know that back in the day, Eagle View was not measure, was not taken with drones. They used it from satellite. You know that's right. Mean? Do they yeah. like? So this? you launch a bunch of satellites up there, and it looks like these stars all in a convoy. It's just the coolest looking thing. And they were all taking roof photos. They were all. They were <laughs> I, re- I remember one time I actually argued I was working for a contractor and we hand measured a roof um, right there on site and hand measured it. And they said, well, our Eagle View shows that it's smaller than that. And I was like, oh, oh, we'll take your measurements that you took <laughs> space. 
from space versus the, the ones that we took from on the ground. Okay, yours yours are probably more accurate. That's fine. We'll go on from there. What else do we need to know, Don? So it it is illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland. <gasps> They're they're apathetic toward everything else, but they care about their guinea pigs. They care, yeah, and what whether or not they're lonely. Yep, because it is they're considered it's considered animal abuse because they're social animals and they get lonely. So you have to have more than one in Switzerland. Well, dogs are social animals. I don't. They, I didn't see anything about. Yeah, that. but they they can be social with humans. That, yeah, we oh, can okay. we can feel like a part of a pack with with dogs. Yeah, guinea oh, pigs. Okay. Guinea pigs. Mm. They yeah. do what they want. They're they're, they do it in pairs. They're a, they're a bit more fascist. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna associate with the likes of your kind. Yeah. Just my kind. Mm-hmm. So guinea guinea pigs are fascist. I yeah. had no idea. And there you have it. And now you know. Knowing is half the bullshit. Thank you so very much, guys. You're welcome. We are continuing our conversation about working different catastrophes, though most of this has been centered around talking about hurricanes, much like our last episode. We are just going from that from a point, but I know that a lot of you work a lot of district different kinds of catastrophes, whether it's um, the wildfires in California. Obviously, Hawaii is dealing with a considerable fire problem right now. But even in states like Texas and Colorado, where we see significant hailstorms come through, whether it's a tornado in Oklahoma, whether it is a blizzard up in the northeast or a microburst that might happen up in the northwest, guys, we see all sorts of catastrophes and understanding what it is like to work these places from a remote area so if you're traveling to these areas there's some things that you definitely need to know if you missed our last episode i encourage you to go back and what it looks like to prepare to go work one of these things and today we're going to be discussing in detail what it's like when you're there you know and the things that you need to know while you're there and this information is going to come to you in three separate rounds when you hear this sound you know that the round has begun and when you hear this sound you know that the round is over again this is merely a discussion between jess and i this is not a debate show because it is you that is actually in the rumble each and every day slugging it out with the different carriers and different people that are involved through the claims process guys i would ask that if you have any comments or questions please feel free to drop them in the comments below you can reach out to us on our facebook page the pain of the claim presents and if you're not a member of that please join that page and we can uh, keep the conversation going we're going to get into this because round one starts right after this public adjusters listen up it's jeremy lavelle owner of remedy claims consulting host of the rumble and most importantly your claims coach public adjuster training is one of the hardest things to find sure you can take some online seminars you can show up to conferences but none of them tailor training just for you until now whether you need to learn how to estimate scope negotiate or prospect i can help you drill down on the skills you want to develop maybe you're just starting out and you need to learn the claims process from a to z or you're just wanting to help are you just wanting help on strategy on a specific claim? I can help you find the traction you were looking for and learn how to truly control the narrative in the ever-changing world of claims. You can reach out to me directly at 888-596-8772, or you can find me on the web at remedyclaims.com and just click Get Started. That's 888-596-8772 or remedyclaims.com and click Get Started. You can even shoot me an email at jeremy 
at remedyclaims.com. That's J-E-R-O-M-Y at remedyclaims.com. It's time to move your career to the next level. Round one. You're here. Now what? So you've shown up, you're here, you're ready to go to work, you're ready to go find some claims, and it's really different than being an independent adjuster because you show up with 20 appointments that you have to do. You know, you're making all of these appointments as an independent adjuster, so there are so many, and the reason I think this is important, Jess, the reason I think working a hurricane from a public adjuster standpoint or from a contractor standpoint, if you've worked one as a as an IA, it is really different than what you're used to because most of the time you you get these claims, you're making your appointments, and you kind of know who you're seeing before you get there. Whereas in this case, you've come down there, you have no appointment set, you have nobody, you have no idea. And so you, instead of standing around, you know, trying to figure out who it is I'm going to help, what I'm going to do, you're here, you've decided to work, you've prepared, you've got your truck, you listened to the previous episode of the Rumble, so you, so you're ready to go, but now. Your boots on the ground. You're there now. What? So tell me, Jess. What do you do when you show up on site? Well, so truth be told, I'm still very much focused. Like my brain just thinks about operations in general and people and the team. Uh, a little bit less about the business, but definitely the team. Um, before I start thinking about the first claim, as soon as we're there, I'm usually either pulling the information or having somebody on staff pull the information on where. The, the operational gas, you know, locations are food locations, medical clinics, because look, as you're walking around some of these, you know, especially if it's a cat four hurricane, when you're walking around some of these homes, there is a significantly increased uh, likelihood that you're going to get injured. Um, and you don't want to yeah. go, Oh, uh, where are the clinics? <laughs> Man, what a great idea. There you go. Yes. Yeah, some situational awareness, situational Continue. awareness. That's from an operational perspective, you know, just thinking about the team and their overall well being, right. Their health and welfare, knowing where the operational clinics are. Cause look, I'm telling you in Fort Myers, you, there were only a handful <clears throat> and you had to know where they were. So mm-hmm. we had, we had called around, we had asked around, uh, and put those on a map. Um, also route clearing. Okay. You might have an appointment. How are you going to get there? Uh, because a lot of those routes aren't going to be cleared. So usually I, I either myself or somebody else on staff will be scouring social media looking for, um, sometimes, you know, the municipalities or whatever will post a map of which routes are being cleared that day. What got cleared the day before, because they're also trying to communicate to the locals, you know, where they can get in and out. So having somebody with their thumb on the pulse of that, that that's going to help you navigate to and from those appointments. Um, and then just walking and canvassing. And of course, these are more for the PAs that are going to get down there ASAP. If you're more of the PA, you know, or, or company or whatever, that's going to wait, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, you know, some of this stuff is already going to be cleared up. Power might be restored, maybe, you know, likely, some of these things may not apply. So for those that wait, I would say some of the first things you would think of is, you know, besides, you know, setting up your housing is, okay, when and where are the town hall meetings? Who's, you know, who's putting those town hall meetings on? Do they already have a few public adjuster, you know, representation or, or do they need one? You know, somebody that can 
explain to the <laughs> to the community what a PA is and does. Um, so town halls. Another is, you know, hey, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Police Chief, Mr. Fire Chief, I'm here, I'm staying. Um, you know, how, how can I start helping the community? And then expand that out to churches, chamber of commerce, et cetera. Those, those are typically those first appointments that I would be making if I was a firm that's, you know, maybe waited 30, 60, 90 days to get down there. Your established resource centers really and truly. And I think, yep. and I, I think it's interesting that you bring up Mr. Fire, uh, you know, Mr. Police Chief, Mr. Fire Captain, Mr. or Mr. Fire Chief, you know, you know, the mm-hmm. pastors that are there, um, the, right. different, the chambers of commerce, the town hall meeting, man, you know, Mr. Mayor and the town hall meeting and how we as a town are going to come together and, 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 and deal with this. And I think one of the things that you were talking about, how you're going to get into some of these places, I remember in Hurricane Ian, I think it was, um, the island of is it is it Sanibel? Or Sanibel, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yep. even traveling out, especially in a hurricane situation, and even more so Hawaii. You know, if you're thinking about going to some of these island locations, you know, getting the materials and your transportation when there is water separating you from the disaster site, some of those things, and and establishing relationships with those people that you are going to be established as a resource and not a burden. You are not, you know, you are there to be somebody that is here to provide aid and not something that chews up resources. You know what I'm saying? And it's not to say that you aren't going to need some resources because we definitely need to sustain the people that are, you know, whether it's your first responders, those people need to be taken care of. You know, those are the people and we don't want to burden them further and we don't want to burden you further. So what we want to do is establish exactly where some of these are. And I think one of the very first things that you opened up with was where the where the clinics are, you know, if not just for your own information, for other people's information, for other people. You know, yep. and knowing, knowing where these are and, and and helping out with that. So I think some of that situational awareness is incredibly key when it comes to, uh, come, you know, know where your resources are. I remember when I was an independent adjuster, I, I wanted to know where I was going to do laundry. You know, um, the places where I was going to be able to set up some of these basic needs. These are some questions that you need to ask and some research, not necessarily research, but some reconnaissance that you need to do when you're in, when you get into that area so that you know what comes next and how you establish um, your schedule. That would be the next thing that I would say is, is start looking at establishing your schedule. Cause if you're staying, you know, a ways out, because it's not uncommon that you stay what is normally an hour and a half away. Right. You know, as we alluded to in the previous episode, it's normally, you know, an hour and a half drive, but now it's a single roadway in and out. And you usually there's multiple roadways, but guess what? They're not doing multiple roadways right now. What they're trying to do is create a single artery for in and out, you know, and, and what that looks like and the times of days that you want to travel back and forth to these places so that, you know, one, you're, you're managing your time properly, but understand that it may be an extended amount of time just because it's 90 miles away or 60 miles away. doesn't mean that it's just going to take you an hour, an hour and a half to drive in and out of that place. And going back to the town halls, it's not just the, you know, city town hall type meetings, but it's also like the hurricane claim type, 
you know, expos and those types of town halls. Some that are typically, I mean, typically are there sponsored by an attorney or maybe a couple of attorneys or maybe a couple contractors get together and sponsor one. But those are also great networking events to see who's who in the area so yeah. that yeah. when people do ask you, hey, do you know some roofers? Do you know some plumbers? Do you know some this, that, and the others? Yes, there are the locals there. And of course you would want, you know, the locals, you know, to be fed and, and, and helping their community. But they're by the time you get there, they're already overloaded. I mean, everybody knows the locals. So helping kind of develop, and I know I'm about to date myself here, but developing that Rolodex <laughs> of experts, you know, somebody that, because, and, and we tell people all the time, our, our clients, we say, look, we, we can't recommend this contractor, that contractor or whatever. We don't, we don't want to play favorites. We don't want to get in into, into that or anything. But look, we have a list of folks that do work this area. You know, please call them and vet them yourself, you know, find out who best suits your needs and, you know, go from there. So, but a, a place to, to gather those, those names and those business cards are those hurricane expos. I think that that's great. I know, I know that there were several people and I, and I, and I waxed nostalgic back to just a year ago after hurricane Ian made landfall and all of the efforts that were made to kind of bring people together. And I know that there were tons of firms. So if you're a solo operator, there's tons of firms that saying, Hey, we're here. Um, you know, to quote Jack Hanks, we're here, we're experienced, you know, boots on the ground, call us if you need us, that kind of thing. And, you know, those calls typically go out because they're looking for bodies and people to help to run the claims that they've already got coming in because a lot of these people already have interest in the area, especially when it comes to some of these larger commercial losses. And look, you want to address some of these commercial losses because they're part of the infrastructure that's going on there at the at the disaster location, you know, and so you want to you want to plan um you want to plan to to work on those areas because look everybody needs help everybody yes. needs help and mm-hmm. and sometimes prioritizing that help can seem cold and calculated so you know again you know look at some of these places where other people are setting some of these priorities in place you know you don't want to come in and try to reinvent the wheel so to speak so so work with some of the the local people that are there um you know uh you don't want to go down before you're ready you know what i'm saying i think it's i think one of the things that Jess had alluded to is you know if you've never done this before your first rattle out of the box may be best to wait 90 days after landfall. Agreed. And let yes. some of that. So if you've never done it, this is not the time that you're going to want to be, you know, the one, the first out of the gate. I appreciate your enthusiasm. Amen. <laughs> I appreciate your desire and your ambition. You know what I mean? But every dead body on the top of, uh, on the top of M- uh, Mount Everest is, was an ambitious person. So calm down. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, even though even though you are you are anxious and you want to go out there and you want to help, if you're going by yourself and you've never done it before, maybe wait 90 to 120 days before you show up there. Because trust me, if the hurricane is of any kind of significance, don't worry, the work will be there. Um, is there anything else? I mean, I, you know, I, I think I think when we show up and we kind of and we kind of want to help. I, 
my my biggest advice, and I feel like a, a broken record at saying this, is work with the people that are established in the area. I think that's the Agreed. best thing. Because, yep. because these these areas that are most commonly hit by hurricanes typically have firms that are located there that have done this before and can certainly find a place for you to be useful in that situation. I know that there are tons of really good firms in Florida that you can partner with that are within, you know, our community. Uh, those of you, those of you who listen to the rumble are a part of our community. I know that if you, if you're wondering what are the good firms in the different area, we can certainly get you connected with those firms should disaster strike at any point in time. I will tell you right now, I don't know of anybody in Hawaii. Do you know of anybody in Hawaii, Jessica? Jessica? Um, the only person I know really well is Stephen Head Hazzy, but um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what, you know, what he's doing and what capacity, you know, if he's got a firm or if he's just himself or a couple folks, um, but he's outstanding, exceptionally intelligent. Um, uh, yeah, I should probably probably reach out to him, huh? <laughs> Maybe so. Hey, Steve, are you all right, man? Well, because I think he was on Oahu. I, I, used, okay. I used to live in Hawaii. I lived in Oahu. Went to UH for a year and Mililani High School for a couple years. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, so where is that? I mean, just real quick while we're talking about you're here now, what? So where is that disaster centrally located? I mean, are there other islands that are unaffected that seem to be... Uh, I think Big Island was the other one. Big Island, I think, was the other one that was affected. Just, I, I guess, just not as severely as as Maui. But okay. yeah, it's weird because it goes Big Island, then Oahu, then then there's the rest of the the smaller ones in in the chain. And Oahu, from what I understood, was not affected at all. But Big Island and Maui, man, yeah, Maui so is just apocalyptic. Honolulu is on uh, is on Oahu. Is that correct? Oahu. That's yeah. right. So um, so some of the the central the central port in and out of it seems to be unaffected at this point in time. Correct. But, you know, I would say Hawaii is very different. Um, I, I, I don't know what licensure is like there. Do you have any idea, Jess? No, I don't. I, I don't have any idea. You'll have to check. With Trust me, I was tempted. I was tempted to say, hey, hubs. <laughs> <laughs> I gave I shot him the look and he goes, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have gone to some of the nicest places on the planet working catastrophes, and I rarely get to take advantage of what it's like. And right? I, had, I had I even had one guy goes, well, well, you know, kind of get down there and do your work and then just extend your stay. And we'll get it's into like, this in, in, in round three. It's like generally if I've ever gone into a place, I mean, there is a Jeremy shaped hole in the wall when it's time to leave. I am not trying to stay <laughs> and pick in the sights. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I am out. I am gone. See you later. Headed home. I thank you so much. You know, yep. I don't even wait. I'll for be the back mic. on my next rotation. Yep. I'm home before the mic hits the floor. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's kind of that's kind of how I that's kind of how I look at it. So, um, you know, those are some things that you need to be that you need to be thinking about once you arrive there. Well, you know, I is is as hard as it is to get ready and you know you're there it's like at some point in time you're you are going to have to go to work and what that looks like is what we're going to be talking about in round two because it starts right after this 
One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, field protocols. Okay, so one of the things that I know is when you when you get out there and you start doing these inspections, if that's the thing that you like to do, you know, you want to have certain things set up. So when you show up to a location, you've got these things that you know that you're doing, and it's really all about your process. You know, I think once you show up to a site, it's very similar to anything, but you'll find when you're working these disasters, the, the, the damage is sort of repetitive. You know, it's like you're working a hurricane, you're dealing with some flood, you're dealing with some flood lines, you're looking at some roof damage, you're looking at, you know, water intrusion. If you're dealing with a fire or a wildfire or a hailstorm, I remember when I worked a ton of hailstorms, it was like I could almost write the claim before I could write the estimate before I even showed up on site. You know what I mean? I had right. a, I had my roof report. I knew all the stuff that was damaged. I was using satellite imagery to figure out kind of what I was looking at. And I will tell you, before I show up, one of the things I do is I look at the satellite images of, of, of what I'm dealing with. Good deal. You should. You know what I mean? That's one of the yes. things that I, I'm, I'm checking on. I know that I'm probably, if I'm working a hailstorm or if I'm working, um, you know, a hurricane, I'm probably going to go ahead and need a, a roof report. I want some sort of idea of what's going on before I show up, and I highly recommend that you be prepared to get your roof reports. Don't wait till you get out, get off the inspection. Have those things ready to go. I even take the little diagram from my roof report, and I'll start diagramming where I found all the different damages and all of that kind of stuff because that's just one of the things that I do from a field inspection standpoint to know what I'm up against. Jess, what are some of the things that you do even maybe before you show up? Um, so my former life, um, uh, I was military intelligence and, uh, one of my favorite sub disciplines of intelligence is geospatial intelligence. So looking at data over space and time, meaning being able to, to look at and decipher and, and analyze satellite imagery, you know, remote sensing imagery, uh, things of that nature. One of the things I do is I go to the USGS, which is the US Geological Survey website. They FEMA after especially after a cat 3, 4, etc., they will always send out or task satellites or aircraft to conduct basically what the military would call a post, you know, battle damage assessment. It's a it's a post storm assessment and you will see the imagery before and you will see the imagery after. You're going to know exactly how hard certain neighborhoods were hit. You're going to know which roads and which bridges got taken out. You're going to know, like, all, I mean, before you even leave your living room, you can do all of this analysis. And that helps plan routes, you know, to the site, from the site, helps you see, you know, kind of what you're about to walk into. 
Um, and that's, that's all open source. That's all unclassified imagery that FEMA orders. It's usually available, uh, I'd say about the second or third day after, a hur- usually third day after yeah, a hurricane strikes. Sometimes it's as late as a week, depending on what's yeah. going on. But I have, yeah. but the, most of the time you're getting images to begin to come through, like, you know, uh, where it made landfall is available within two or three days. 48 hours generally is when it, you can start looking for those images to come through. But, I mean, these are huge files and, and large areas that these, these you know, satellites are taking imagery of. And then you can zoom in all the way down to the person's truck, you know, or car in their driveway. I mean, so it is fascinating. And it's it really is a useful tool. Um, and, then, and then I always... Again, I go back to military terms. I apologize, but PMCS, it's preventative, you know, maintenance. It's preventative checks and maintenance of your equipment. Did I get all of, are all my drone batteries charged? Did I check my infrared reader, you know, camera, is that charged? Does my moisture reader, is the battery, you know, good to go? Do I have extra batteries in my, in my box, in my kit? You know, did I charge the DocuSketch or the Matterport, whatever 3D thing I'm using? You know, that, that I'm doing that before I walk out the door every single night, every night, whether I have an inspection the next day or not, all that stuff's getting plugged in because you just don't know when you just need to go. Well, one of the things that I like when I'm in those, when you've got a huge battery of inspections that you're going to have to crank out, because I know like in a hurricane, I do six or seven inspections a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I am, I am running and gunning and often, often, you know, kind of depending, especially at the beginning of a storm, if I'm boots on the ground and I'm there, what I am trying to do is I am trying to get inspections done and I am focusing on kind of a singular task, if you will. I'm looking at inspections. Um, As an IA, they would want you to write the claim for anything that you looked at. They would want you to write the estimate that day. So what I'm telling you is, is as a public adjuster or as a contractor that is traveling to these areas, that is probably a futile effort. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Because it's oh, yes. because the, as an IA, the claims are given to you as a public adjuster. You've got to go source these people. You know what I'm saying? So again, I go back to round one, whether you're going to the town halls, whether it's the the hurricane town halls or it's the actual town halls or you're meeting with some of these different people as you're sourcing some of this stuff. You know, you do in this situation have to strike while the proverbial iron is hot, you know, because if you're not going to pull up or show up or be in these places, somebody is. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to be ready to go out and get these inspections taken care of. And so you are going to be focused heavily on inspections. So if you have, you know, if something runs on batteries and you can change those batteries out, be sure that you have those extra batteries maintaining yourself in the field because it may be 10, 12, 14 hours before you're back where you can plug them in. You know what I mean? And so, and and then these tools that help speed you along. One of the things I noticed when we were, when we partnered with a different firm, they were doing the field inspection. They use 360 images for all of their exterior images. And I mean, and it changed the way that I look at documenting stuff. The fact that I spin (laughs) that thing around and get any sort of screen grab or photo that I wanted 
you yep. know, some of those tools are really good and you can get them rather inexpensively. So if your plan is to go down with just your iPhone, you might want to look at something that's a little bit more robust and gets you a little bit more information. Not that your iPhone isn't great, but I, I well, so- and now Matterport's got it to where it's it's compatible with your iPhone, meaning it uses yeah. your iPhone's technology to direct you. I mean, you still got to move it and get the circles to line up just right, right. but yep. it will you can if you're on a real, real tight budget, but I agree with you. I, I definitely recommend. Yeah, I use the, the, the I, I, used, I used both the big Matterport Pro Two. I have not, I have not delved into their newest, you know, big daddy camera, but I use their Matterport Pro Two, and I've also got the Axis, which is basically an attachment for a tripod that works with the that Bluetooths with your phone, and it's a great tool that you can do 360 images outside. And I mean, right. it is a fantastic tool to start gathering this documentation because trust me, um, the biggest thing that I can tell you, you know, is just good old fashioned scope notes. And if you and if you're given to carpal tunnel or writer's cramp just use some sort of recording device into that you know that that reminds you of what it is that you're looking at and as your photos as you're grabbing your photos because you don't like look if i'm working a hailstorm and i'm working you know one or two houses that day i'll go through and i'll take my pictures but if you're running and gunning and you've got seven inspections that you've got to do and you're fighting mosquitoes and all kinds of different sort of you know snakes out- Yes, snakes and all snakes. the different things. Freaking you know, snakes. it's it's nice to be able to set that camera up once, maybe twice, to get all of the photos on that elevation, to get all of the photos on that roof. You're trying to get all of that stuff taken care of, and then you're using your phone or your normal camera to grab some of those close-up damages. But for those overview shots that give you the situational awareness of what is going on on that particular facet of the home. You know, those those are really, really good tools and it allows you to come back and sort of decompress as you're looking at this data that you've collected. It allows you to decompress for a moment and you don't feel the pressure and the urgency to finish this house to get on to the next one. And it really saves the brain cells. I'm going to tell you it really because you I mean, by the time you get to inspection four or five. You are you are just not as sharp as you were as as you were on inspection one. And there are some apps where if you've got an Apple Watch, you it, the app goes right to the watch, and you can just press record. And then when you're done, you can press upload to the cloud, and it'll transcribe the whole thing for you. Now, I use the free version; it's called Just Record. Uh, the downside to having a free version of something like that is when everything does get transcribed, it's in one massive paragraph. So you kind of got to go find the separations of sentences, (laughs) but, (laughs) and it does get them some things wrong, but let me tell you uh, when it does get some things wrong and, and transcribes incorrectly, the, what it comes up with is hysterical. So that'll make you laugh too. But no, other than that, it does, it does get a good, I would say a good 80% solution transcribed for you. So, and another thing, if you're smart, you're not working by yourself. If you're yep. smart, I'm going to tell yeah, you. Yeah, have we just have somebody do exterior and roof, and I'm usually the inside guru. If you're and and then you also have some insight. Yeah, you have some 
office guru that's sitting back that's collecting this yep, data that too. as you're as you're transmitting it to them. So I, you know, I'm a yep. huge fan of Company Cam. I mean, they did not pay me to say this. This is just a tool that I use. I love Company Cam because you can have like your desk adjusting kind of partner that's sitting there watching the watching the photos come in that they can begin to start labeling the damages as you're communicating them. Mm -hmm. You can label those things right there in the field. Um, you know, if you're going to use company cam to gather some of these images, those are, those are great tools. Communicating this information back and forth is another thing that you need to consider. Um, again, I would recommend if you were going down and you plan on handling this thing in the field, having someone that's even back at home, that's not a burden on, you know, as far as where they're going to be staying, whether or not they mm -hmm. have infrastructure, that kind of thing. You can even, you know, you can even partner with some people that are looking to just desk adjust. That's, that's the other thing. And making sure that you're communicating to them as much in real time as you possibly can is a key effort that you need to think about when you're, when you're down there is how do I get them the information as quickly and as seamlessly as possible? That is a yep. huge thing. Um, because, if you're running seven inspections and your plan is to hold up a file folder in front of the next in front of the next house that you do or you try to you try to put some sort of break in your camera roll so that you know where it is is it, you're going to make a mistake at some point in time and right. it's going to be hard to separate yes. the photos so the more geolocated stuff that you use that helps you with where that photo was taken is going to be absolutely critical also all of the different tools that you have i could list off software and tools until the cows come home on the different <laughs> stuff you need same you know what i'm saying and it's like yep. And, and, and if you want to know if you're gonna if you're gonna call me up and ask me hey should i buy yes buy it if, if you think it will make your world easier and you can envision how it's going to make your world easier then yes buy it yes if you end up never using it there's great marketplaces to resell that stuff that people yep. want to buy, buy that stuff on so you know um communicating that kind of stuff being as, as seamless as you can possibly make it because more than likely you're not going to go look at a house and then go sit in your truck and write an estimate. You are going to go look at house after house after house and, and communicating that data in a lump sum at the end of the day while you're trying to drive back from whatever storm location that you're in is going to be really, really important. Jess, what else you got on this? Um, just, I know we've talked about it in a previous episode, um, uh, but knowing the capabilities of your equipment too, They're, they've got certain limitations, you know, every, every piece of equipment has pros and cons, you know, for infrared, uh, I'm pretty sure when I took the certification course through the infrared training center, I asked the question, I said, you know, for, for you experts that have done lots of depositions and et cetera, you know, what, what type of resolution do they like to see in court? And they said, that's a great question. They like to see 120 or 120 or higher. So 120 by 120 is your absolute minimum that you want if, right. if for, for court purposes. And I was like, wow, okay, noted. So I, that helped me pick my camera, you know, your moisture readers, God, the moisture readers, you guys, the capabilities of these things are all over the map. Some of these you, you have to set the material group inside of the device itself. There's others where you can press a button and it toggles between material groups. There's others where there's no differentiation whatsoever between the material groups. And why that's important is because, you know, 
certain materials have a higher moisture content naturally. It doesn't mean that it's wet. It's just naturally going to be a higher moisture content than another type of, you know, construction material. So knowing what those, those, you know, acceptable versus non-acceptable moisture levels are is, is critical. When you go to do your reports, you have to be able to defend that. Yeah. Some of those moisture readers will read four inches to the wall, you know, through the surface. Yeah inches eight inches you know i mean it just depends on what you, whether you're using a stab or a or a sensor or whatever those kind of things are you've yep. got to know what the what those are and moreover if you don't know what they're measuring like i think about all these people who use like thermal cameras jess right do you know what i'm saying and they have no idea yes. it's, like, it's blue it must be water as a, this, this is purple be. that's super wet no, it just means that there's a big temperature change, and that's about it, yep. you know. And sometimes, you know, it's I, – I actually saw somebody claim that there was – that it was really wet, and it was, like, right over an air vent. I was like, yeah, oh, it's really <laughs> cold. The air vent is soaking wet. Look at that thing. So those things I, are I'd, <laughs> I'd say that one other little piece of equipment is the most basic – a piece of equipment that people forget to bring with them on any kind of hurricane or tornado loss is a six foot level. Oh, just man. a level. Just put that bad boy up to the walls. If you suspect racking, that is an easy way for you to capture. Hey, <laughs> there's evidence of racking here. Yeah. You know what else I like levels for? You know, levels, you know, I actually have a little torpedo level that I'll uh -huh. even use. You know, it's got a pitch gauge on it, those kinds of things. But the, these these straight edge levels, here's another really great place that a level comes into play is a lot of these a lot of these areas where hurricanes come in. Um, you'll see a lot of laminate and uh, engineered wood flooring in these homes. And it's becoming popular everywhere. And so you can sure. use it in any situation yeah. where you take that level and you lay it on the floor, especially engineered and laminate flooring, and you put a flashlight behind it. And if that floor is cupping, little bitty beams of light will start to shine through on the other side of that flashlight. And hmm. so that's how I show flooring damage often on whether or not that floor has begun to cup at any kind of level. And so, you know, and cupping generally gets worse you know, over time. Yes. And yeah, so that is, one, that is a really key way to kind of show flooring, uh, flooring damage to wood floors. Now it doesn't work on tile as much generally on tile. Um, what's really good there is, is take in a golf ball. Golf ball. Yeah. Well, except when you get older and you no longer have the ability <laughs> to catch the golf ball all the time. <laughs> well, as long as you can hit. As I use long a golf as club. As long as you can record what it sounds like when you're tapping on, basically yes. the idea is the tap tool is that you can and 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 I think one of the things that we have to say here when you're communicating this information, and I know Donna's looking at me, we got to go to round three, and so uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that you want to do is always get control readings 
always, always, always get right. control readings. Like those are your baseline, place. your dry yeah. readings. Know, know where it is dry because you may have a high humidity content and, and you're going to read high moisture Florida. levels on stuff, but you don't know what your control is. So you're yep. going to have higher moisture content, especially down in those areas. Guys, we're going to get in to round three. And this is how do we know when we go home? Because round three starts right after this. When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. You already have these pages. She'll optimize them for you as well call or message sally today if you want to get started you can reach her at 214-789-1651 again her name is sally brigance her number is 214-789-1651 and uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up when you send her a referral that signs up with her she'll credit your billing account logos are also available um and she also offers a lead generation service and seo search engine optimization where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of google or your money back it is spelled t-h-r-y-b and you can find my good friend sally brigance and that's spelled s-a-l-l-i-e brigance b-r-i-g-a-n-c-e and she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651 Round three, when to leave. This is my favorite time of a storm is when it's time to come home. So, I, you know, I have spent extended times there, but sometimes it's really when do you when do you call it? When is it said enough is enough? I have done all I can do. I can't do any more. And it's time to load up the station wagon and come back home. What is one of the things that you're looking for, Jess, before you decide to come home? Well, one is is how fast is your operational budget going out the window before you even see a first check come in? Because going back to that, you know, it could be six to eight months, like we talked about in the previous episode. You may not receive your first, like, sizable check for six to eight months as a firm. Um, and again, I'm, I'm mostly talking about Gulf States. I've never worked, you know, the Carolinas or anything. I'm, I'm mostly talking, you know, Louisiana, Florida, it's not much anywhere else. It's, it's about the same everywhere you okay. go. I've worked catastrophes. I've worked catastrophes. I've worked blizzards up in the Northeast. I've worked hailstorms and tornadoes. I have worked, I have worked all kinds of things and a catastrophe is a catastrophe is a catastrophe. And I mean, and the most recent one that I worked that was significant where I worked a lot of it was the freeze and and I was localized right here. Oh you know yes, no Mageddon right here in Texas. Yeah, and yeah, I love how we like to put a Mageddon at the end of anything that's Snowmageddon. That's exactly what I want. We were not prepared for that well, storm. Our, you know, 
and and even to address even to address that, um, you know, infrastructure on whether or not the area that you're going in has the infrastructure to handle the peril that you're up against. Now, I went in to a blizzard up in the Boston, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, you know, the Rhode Island area, and those guys knew how to handle a blizzard. So I, while, while they were dealing with ice dams and collapses and all kinds right. of stuff, you know what I mean? By and large, yeah. the infrastructure was not disturbed as much because they knew how to do it. The roadways were open because every every third house has a pickup truck with snowplow on it. So passing back and forth between those roads was not a difficult thing. Some of the infrastructure is set up for some of these barrels. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, thunderstorms and tornadoes is something that the power company is used to here in, in Texas during storm season. They're ready for it, that kind of thing. What they weren't ready for is that most of our power had been diverted to wind energy. And when the wind and the when the wind turbines didn't have any sort of antifreeze sort of protocols in place and we couldn't produce any electricity. That's one of the reasons we shut down and went through rolling blackouts right here in Texas. We were not ready. Texas just doesn't have the infrastructure to deal with freezes. It just doesn't. It's like that's why everybody thinks people from the south can't drive on ice. No, that's not it. Is that we don't have snow plows and people beating up, you know, and, and making right. the roads passable. That's really the key. And so when you're working in a place that is dealing with the peril that they don't have the infrastructure to generally handle, it is going to be a bit more difficult. But I like what you said, knowing when to leave is look at your operational budget. Yep. You, I mean, that, that may make the biggest determination of when you pack your bags to go home. I don't have any money for tomorrow night's rent. You know, yep. I mean, I I'm, I'm not going to make payroll, you know, or I'm not going to be able to, because look, I mean, some of your operational budget, if, if, especially if you didn't separate it out from your, what we call your steady state operational budget for back at home. I mean, there, there's that too. You, you could, you could harm your company back at home by blowing through an operational budget too fast. You really can. You know, one of so, the things that one of the one of the things that I like to look at, one of the things that I think about is how much work can I handle? Right. Yes. Once I've hit my limit of how many I mean, so it may be one claim, it may be 12 claims, it may be 100 claims, whatever it is and what your role is in those claims is how much of that work product can you reasonably produce? Because remember, people are at home waiting on you to finish your job. That's how they get paid. Right. Is when you get done with is when you is when you actually finish it because if it's going to be three or four months before you can look at somebody's you know est before you can sit down and get that thing estimated or send it off to some estimating service and remember those estimating service if your plan is is I'll just send it out to whoever at my estimating service well you and thirteen other firms are doing that too so I mean you've got to think about the available if you're outsourcing some of these things you've got to check you've got to continually check what their claim load looks like and make sure right. that you can get these claims processed in a timely manner. And, and that is, that is a huge thing of what you look at is how can, am I going to be able to handle the workload that comes with X amount of claims? And one way I think that a lot of firm where a lot of firms fall short in being able to determine that before it hits them is a lot of firms I've noticed, they don't hold a weekly like a claims roll-up type meeting where, you know, every PA quickly goes through each of their claims. They identify how fast or how slow things are moving 
down the pipeline. Sometimes it's it's your own production time that that either isn't efficient or could be streamlined. Sometimes there's things outside of your control, such as how long some of these negotiations take because they're just not responding or this or that. So also kind of knowing when to, you know, I, I hate that so many claims are having to go to legal that should never, they just shouldn't. We should, there's no reason as a PA, we shouldn't be able to handle them. But the, the truth has become more often than not, especially with certain carriers, they're just going to go to, they're going to have to go to legal. Don't sit on them for six to 12 months. You know, if they're, if you're going through the negotiation process and it's just not moving, you know, I I don't know. Some just personal opinion being through several hurricanes around the the three or four month mark, you should be having a, a poop or get off the pot conversation with the claim and with your client. But right. you also got to be in tune to your PAs to your left and right. And and then, or if, sometimes you'll find out a PA gets stuck. They don't know how to h- handle a certain situation and they're just staying quiet about it because they, they figure they'll, they'll figure it out soon enough. And so it just kind of sits on this back burning burner. Well, no, if you're having this weekly or biweekly meeting, you know, with all of your PAs, you're catching those claims. And then, oh, by the way, if, person a is having this particular situation isn't sure how to you know move the claim along isn't sure how to close it out maybe person b or c knows or maybe the boss knows and gets to teach everybody and then everybody learns and grows as a pa because as a pa you only know what you only know you don't know what you don't know and it takes you know that that level of collaboration to to grow as a pa and so if you're you're not having those you know, and maybe you only do them every two weeks, you know, what have you, but have them. Well, I, you know, and I think, I think one of the things that I think that, you know, when it comes to, you know, whether or not you're going to push it and put it into legal has a whole lot to do with you getting your work product completed. You know what I'm saying? Right. And making sure that that gets done, because I'm going to tell you one of the things that happens, especially in a catastrophe is all of these carriers have something called reinsurance. Okay, Mm -hmm. and basically what reinsurance is, is an insurance policy they that they have taken out in the event of said catastrophe. And so this is a this is a onset of money. And what is happening a lot of times, I'm going to tell you, is that they send out these independent adjusters and they don't explain to them what reserves are for. Right. And a lot of adjusters think a reserve is their best guess at what they think it's going to cost to fix it. And their best guess, because they're not involved, like, so an independent adjuster is not involved in the claim from cradle to grave. Okay. They're thinking about what do I, they're setting it as like, what do I think my estimate based on the guidelines that I've been given is going to cost? You know what I'm saying? Well, one that's that is so far off base. And I cannot tell you, even as an independent adjuster and as a storm supervisor, I would see these reserves come in and that, and I would work in a hurricane loss and they would put the reserve at twenty thousand dollars. And I'm like, have you not thought of any of any of the other things that may go into this? And, you know, their and or their reserve was the exact amount their estimate was. That right. was always my favorite thing. And I'm telling you, some of these reserves come in and you don't have CPCUs looking at these reserves going, oh, this guy's not thinking of it. You've got some $15 an hour employee that's setting the reserve at what that is, more than likely. 
more than likely right. it's somebody going, okay, this claim reserve is going to be set at $25,000 and they literally have a $170,000 loss on their hands. By the time you yep. figure ALE, by the time you figure, you know, contents coverages and they're sitting there, they're writing a roof claim. They're writing a roof claim and they may not even know how to write said roof claim because they're not allowed to write for flashing and chimney caps. You know what I mean? Um, whether or not, you know, how to accommodate the workforce in the safety environment that's got to be created for said. They're just looking at something that is so narrow-minded. And so these reserves get set. And when you turn in a $150,000 estimate for a $20,000 reserve, the the brakes lock up and it spins out of control. And so that is some of the reason these things get, because they set these reserves, which means they allocated the available money to some other claim. And now you're telling, they're looking at what was supposed to only cost $20,000 now costs six and seven times that much. And the mm -hmm. reserves aren't there. So understand that that's not a battle you can fight, win, or otherwise. You know what that's I'm right. saying? That is just something that, oops, you made a mistake, and, and now legal does have to take care of it. And so that is why you don't need to sit and fight because the carrier is never going to tell you, well, uh, it's going to take us a little bit longer because we're running out of money. Or we don't have the reserve set for this 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 level of a loss. And that's why your proof of losses are important, whether you fill out the form and get it notarized, whatever your practice is there. I'm not here to tell you one way or the other what you should or should not be doing in that respect, though I have my opinions. But the proof of the loss is your photographs, your expert reports, your documentation, and your estimate that says this is how much this loss is going to cost and this is why. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And so you've got to have that. You've got to have that lined up. That's really important. What else are you looking for? Um, you know, when it's when it's time to go home again, I, I look at thresholds and once I cross them, then that's when I that's when I look at packing my bags. Maybe maybe it's just something as simple as the work runs out. Yeah, work runs out um, or you've just you've noticed, again, going back to the health and welfare of your people. Right. If they are all completely burnt out and cannot carry on, <laughs> either hire others or go home. Um, yeah. When, and, when and your the, tank runs empty, come on back. Just and here's the other on. thing. A lot of people forget that when you work, especially when you go into an area. So it's not your it's not your backyard. It's somebody else's backyard. You go into an area, you work all of these claims and then you go back home. Look, the, the storm's not done. You've got oh, depositions yeah. for the next two to three or longer years, easily the next two years. So you have to factor that into your operations back at home, too, because if you're constantly having to step out to do depositions versus work new claims back at home, I mean, depending on what kind of volume you had during the catastrophe. So there to me, there's just so many different variables. It's not all just money. Um, there's just so many different variables. There really is. And, and, and I mean, I don't think the work ever runs out. I've known people that went to an area and never came back. I mean, yeah, I know to me, just, you, you should plan a minimum, a minimum of one year. I, I don't think if, if you're going to go gonna into an area, it, yeah minimum absolute minimum maybe eight months because i think around the eight months sometimes it does kind of dwindle a little bit and if you're already kind of strapped for cash at that point it might might not be a bad idea you know a bad time to to, to pop smoke but at least 
at least a year. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I do know exactly what she means by that. So um, for those of you don't Google it. (laughs) So um, the other, the other, the other thing that I would look at, especially if it's one of your first ones that you're going down there, you know, I mean, I might say it's like, hey, I'm going to go down there for a month. And no matter what happens at the end of the month, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to come on back. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and be prepared to stay for the month. I mean, others may be I'm going to go down and I'm going to sign 20 claims or 100 claims. And when you sign those claims and you've got them inspected, come on back. See, the benefit is, is you don't have to stay. But I also want to say that you don't want to flirt with burnout. Do you know what I'm saying? And when well, and then empathy- you can't forget you can't forget that just because you signed them all and inspected them all doesn't you still got joint inspections to go back to? Yes, that's <laughs> so true. That's too. Have, yeah, yeah, you got to think about that kind of thing because you may be traveling back and forth for a while. That's a really good point. Jess. And they may so- not reach out to you for four months, like in Florida. My gosh, it was like four or five months we were finally getting joint inspections. Right, it's nuts. And- it's nuts. And then even when you turn it in and all the documentation goes and you've absolutely proven their adjuster wrong and it's like, well, we're going to go ahead and send out an engineer to take a look. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're, we're going to go ahead and take it, take an engineer out there. And, uh, or, or when you get the joint inspection, it's like, well, when are you wanting to go out there? My favorite thing is just let me take a look at things. I'll find it. And it's like, look, uh-huh. buddy, this is my claim. Okay. This is my this is a claim. This is a claim for benefits under a policy. And I am damn sure going to show you what it is that I'm claiming. So you can I am. We are definitely going to go through a process of show and tell. And I'm going to make sure you see everything. I'm not just going to go. We're claiming roof damage. We've got some window screens that are damaged. And, uh, you know, we've got some flooring in here. No, we're going to go through the entire process of what and why we're claiming it. So be prepared for that. And understand that just because you're done with your initial inspection doesn't mean you won't have a second, third, or fourth, or fifth. Hell, there's even sixth reinspections that you may have to go through before that claim actually gets paid. And remember, you're going to have to work them all. So, man, there it is, guys. It's a marathon, not a sprint. That is absolutely right, Jessica. Do you have any parting words for these fine people listening to the rumble right right here and right now? Look, catastrophes are going to happen every single year. If you have to sit one out, it's okay. <laughs> Grab the next one. That's make right. sure make sure you've got yourself postured good first. And that way it'll be an enjoyable experience versus another catastrophe no pun intended <laughs> and and the, my final piece of wisdom is is don't think you're going to figure it out make sure you get the help and do not subject these people who are actually living through the catastrophe subject to your learning curve yes make sure that you have the help that you need but guys that's all the time that we have for this episode. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, please click like and subscribe. And if you know someone that desperately needs this information, we strongly encourage you to share it. Please check us out on our Facebook page called The Pain of the Claim Presents, and we can continue the discussion and conversation over there. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out. But in the meantime, 
We will be back next week, so stay ready so you don't have to get ready, and we will see you on the next one.